Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. If you'd like to go there in your Bibles or pick up one of the Bibles in the rows or there we had sheets that we passed out with those in there. I'll be uh, ultimately reading out of the NIV, but you can use whatever translation you would prefer. Um, uh, we have been spending, uh, this is the 183rd study in the New Testament. I know because I see the number right in front of me. Um, so uh, well over three years now into the study of the New Testament. And, and uh, when we started, I said it would probably take five. I think we're on track for that. Um, and then we, we're going to jump right into the Old Testament from there. That's another 15 years worth of Wednesdays. So we have our work cut out for us. I expect to see everybody every Wednesday for the next 17 years, ready to study. Uh, and then we'll start all over again, yes. I would like to, I think I can get through it another time after that. 20 more years, maybe. 52, 27, yeah, why not? I might have to have some guys on either side of me holding me up there at the last run, but, but that's biblical, right? Moses had guys like that. Hold me up so I can preach. Um, we're studying it in context. I just think it's a very important way to run through the scripture together. Uh, you know, we pretty much do a chapter a week. Certainly we can't get everything covered, but we're, we cover uh, hopefully enough of the highlights that you get a feel for what's taking place. Um, we, we did Matthew, Mark, uh, we did the book of John, and then we did Luke and Acts together because they were written by the same guy. Springing out of the book of Acts, we, uh, we started talking about Paul's letters because we had just spent quite a bit of time um, talking about the missionary journeys. And now the letters that Paul writes make up the bulk of the New Testament, as you've seen. Um, we have Ephesians to finish today. We're going to do Philippians after that. And then I think we have uh, Titus and Timothy, um, those letters, and then Paul will be done. And then um, we'll, we'll probably do Hebrews after that because some people think Paul wrote it, but some people think it was Apollos, and no one is really 100% sure on that one, the authorship, but we know it's biblical. So it's good canon, we'll do that. And then we've got Peter's letters and John's letters. And, and then we have Revelation, which that's a, yeah. So anyway, I, I look forward to that one. And then when we hop into the Old Testament, Genesis will take a year, but then we have to work through like numbers together. <laughs> that's some, you got to really pull some stuff out of that one. Numbers. Actually pretty fascinating stuff. So uh, looking forward to it. It's a good thing to do. Uh, the letter to the Ephesians, Paul wrote, um, you know, and, and most of Paul's letters, remember he was writing back to deal with situations. Uh, he's writing to the Ephesians. He's under house arrest, we believe, at Rome. Uh, at this point in time, um, he's using the time wisely because his uh, activities are limited. He's allowed to have guests and visitors and all that stuff, but he is under guard uh, constantly, uh, and, and he writes these letters while he has the time back to deal with issues and situations that are going on in the churches. Um, he writes to the church in Ephesus and uh, he, he's encouraging them really to, uh, uh, he's talking to them about how important it is that the church um, is, is united uh, in its efforts to um, follow Jesus, um, that they deal with um, the, the disagreements that pop up in love, um, that they give room to the Holy Spirit to um, help them settle those differences, that they stick together the best that they can. They live at peace, uh, and that in so doing, they impact, uh, they have the greatest impact on the world. Um, remember, the world is looking at the church all the time to, uh, uh, 
sort of, you know, try and get a handle on who God is. And um, sometimes the church is a pretty good witness, and oftentimes the church is not a very good witness at all. Uh, and so um, that's, you know, why we need to study and look and see what we can do about uh, growing together, particularly in love and, and learning how to love each other well and move ahead together in the Lord. So the, um, the Paul has laid this out pretty well. Um, in this final chapter, he's going to sort of uh, give us some concluding remarks uh, on um, how we're to live together, uh, the importance of serving one another, um, not to, like the world does, the, the problem that we have is that the world has a, a tendency to put value on people based on their role or position in society, so to speak. And, and the church is not supposed to do that. Um, the, the church is supposed to look at roles and positions, not as who's more, um, you know, more than who, but um, it just is a platform to serve that our value in the church comes from our relationship in Christ. It's why we have value is that we're in Christ and in Christ we are all equal. Um, He loves us equally, he's concerned about us equally, he cares for us equally, he um, died for us uh, equally, he did all those things because in Christ we are all of tremendous value demonstrated at the cross. It's not that the person who does this is more valuable to the church than the person who does this or than the person who does this, it's not how it works. And so if we can get free from that worldly concept of role and position then, then, uh, and, and putting value in them, then whatever role we happen to have in the church is just a platform to serve. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with our value. And, and so Paul has really been trying to make that point over the last two chapters, and it's such an important point and, and one that we really need to grab a hold of in order to walk in love uh, and in unity uh, and and to be an effective witness in the world around us. So um, Ephesians 6 is uh, 24 verses and um, I'm going to read them uh, to you. Follow along as I said in your Bible and we're going to talk about just a couple of things um, today together. Uh, Beginning in verse 1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's a good verse. If you've got kids, everybody, everybody that's a parent likes that one. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, which is true, that it may go with well uh, with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you, may, uh, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so I touched on this in the opening, but in Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, um, again, it's important for us as believers to understand that we're all one in Christ and that we are, uh, in effect, already lifted up and seated with him. We're members of one body. We're one family, Paul has taught us. Living stones in uh, the holy temple that's been constructed by the Lord. And, and that as we grasp that, we're to understand that, uh, again, our worth and value comes from who we are in Christ. Um, and, and grabbing a hold of that will free us to embrace the calling that we all have to serve and, and to see that whatever position or role we have, whatever it looks like, is just a, a platform and an opportunity to step into that calling to serve. That's all it is. And so it's just, uh, it just looks different, but it's not higher than and less than. And if we could step away from that, we would free up so much mess that, that tends to deal with. And it, again, it's such a cultural and societal thing that wants to impact the church that, that um, we, we have to be ever vigilant on because it causes division. That's the main reason it keeps us from being in unity because everything becomes a struggle for power and position. And um, in that struggle, you, you, can't, you can't live this thing out the way that you're supposed to. And, and it's not new to us. Remember, it was you know, Jesus' whole time dealing with his guys. That's what he was dealing with. Remember, the, all those guys were in a power struggle the entire time. Up through the Last Supper, still, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus kept looking at them going, you guys don't get it. The one who serves, it's all about serving. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. How about that as an example? See, I mean, he set the example over and over and over again. He served by going to the cross. He served as he washed the feet of his disciples. He served as he ministered, you know, uh, wherever he went um, because of his great compassion. He served as he trained his disciples to do kingdom stuff. He served, and served, and served. Um, laying that down as the, the example, the Jesus, fully God and man, laid this example for us. And um, that has to be what we keep thinking about. And, and that in itself will solve so many disagreements that the church has. That it's just not about that at all in our lives. And, and so the, that whole last discussion in, in Ephesians 5 about submission and about all those things um, were, were all to get us um, aware of the fact that, that the reason that we can submit, because Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and teaches about that and we're to submit to one another, um, is, is that because it's not a matter of greater than and less than. 
Uh, it's just a matter of stepping into the role in order to serve God in the fullest capacity that we're called to. And, and really, that's, he's been making that point for a chapter and a half. Now, he moves on in verses 10 through 24, pretty much the end. The last few verses are a, a you know, customary sort of goodbye. And um, we're doing, so this one's coming to do this, and that one's coming to do that, and love each other well, and peace be with you. And I'm not taking that lightly, but the, the, the next big chunk really is verses 10 through 20, where Paul talks about the armor of God. And he ends this letter to the Ephesians by um, giving them a warning that the evil one is actively trying to destroy believers by destroying the church. Um, that that the, the enemy is hard at work to this day trying to bring division into the church over things that don't matter. He's, and he's been so successful um, by getting us off track and, and making minor things major things. The enemy is, has really just uh, worn down um, big chunks of the church because when the church is divided, it becomes largely ineffective in its mission to, to reach out to the world. And, and, um, and so uh, this whole um, uh, loving unity that Paul talked about it, that the Holy Spirit brings to the church uh, is what the enemy tries to destroy. Because the enemy is aware of the impact that the church can have when it's doing what it's supposed to do. And so he can shut it down wherever he can. Uh, he's going to do that. And, and uh, the scripture is, you know, talks about that over and over again. The enemy trying to find places to land to bring division. Um, and, uh, and we're not to give him a foothold. That, that whole, that word uh, that, that was described in there um, is an interesting word. It's a tapas, uh, where we get the word topography from. And it's really a landing spot that the enemy's always looking for landing spots. And division is one of his favorites. And he can get in there and just blow it apart and uh, render, render entire churches ineffective. By some, some of the simplest, most ridiculous things have rendered what should be extremely effective churches virtually useless in the community because, of, because the enemy just had a field day. Because people wouldn't love well and just refused to back down and, and you know, work it through the way that Paul taught in a, in a yielding to the spirit in love and, and, uh, and a willingness to say, okay, we, we don't have agreement here. Let's just put that over here. Let's figure out what we can agree on and press on together in that and, and allow the spirit of God some time and room to work on these other issues, which he does. Um, and, and it's faithful to do. I mean, do you, I, I hope you, you get things that, that used to really get to me 20 years ago, get to me differently now. Um, and it's not that I'm, I'm you know, uh, less concerned. If anything, I'm more concerned. There's just the realization of, of uh, how important it is to, um, that, that loving well is more important, I believe, than getting it all figured out exactly right and getting stuck there. It's not that we don't continue, because we do. We study on. That's what we do, right? We press in. We ask the Spirit of God to show us stuff. But if the end result isn't that we love well, love God, love others, that Jesus said, look, do that. Everything else will, will happen. Um, sometimes his tendency is to get out of that and get stuck in one spot, and then we lose those things. And so um, we, we have been given armor um, by God to stand against the evil one's plans, this scheme, and fight um, this particular battle. And um, I like the, the armor of God. We talked about it. We talk about it often here. But um, in light of its context, 
Uh, and what Paul's been talking about, um, Paul reemphasizes his discussion throughout um, many of the chapters in, in the armor of God uh, and what he meant as he talked about this um, idea of staying connected and unified in the church. And so, you know, with that in mind, um, let's, let's look at the armor of God today briefly and, and uh, in, in just uh, the connection it's had with the previous few chapters. Uh, in Ephesians. So um, the first one is the belt of truth. In Ephesians 4.25, Paul talked about the importance of honesty and openness in our relationships with one another. Ephesians 4.25 says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for we're all members of one body. So Paul is saying he's talking about this truth and he's already talked about it in Ephesians 4 and he's just reemphasizing again, look, as a, as a very important part of this whole struggle we got to be honest and open with one another we got to be able to if we can't talk to each other and and deal with what's going on here then then we're going to be a mess and the last thing we want to do is just sort of put masks on and pretend like things are one way when they're another Um, that's not what he's talking about either it's an honest open loving line of communication that that desires the best for one another and wants to help each other along in this journey then he, he, talk, he brings up the best breastplate of righteousness. And in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, talk, Paul talked and in other places about the importance of righteous, holy living. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and a holiness. So we're to strive for, or work towards, or yield in the spirit enough to allow him to move us towards um, a life that reflects the righteousness and holiness of God. What we have to be very careful of is we don't substitute self-righteousness, which is what we tend to do, and call that righteousness, and it's not. Self-righteousness is not God's righteousness by a long shot, and it looks different, and it feels different, and it acts different, and it impacts people differently, and you, you, you wanna not be moving in self-righteousness. And, and a holy lifestyle, again, we talked about that too, holiness. Um, sometimes in our culture, we have, we have labeled um, certain activities, you know, as like holy, people that isolate themselves and, and, and get away. Well, that's a really holy person. But Jesus was the example of holiness, and that's not what he did. Jesus lived um, life among people who needed his presence, and he loved people well. And he hung out with people that, that the established religious community had gone, no, we don't want him anywhere near us. Don't let him in our churches, in our buildings. No, nothing. And Jesus went, really? I like those guys. I'm going to go hang out over there. And, and uh, that's where he went. Now, he didn't do what they did. He just went and hung out with them and loved on them. And guess what? Lots of them repented. Oh, man. See, it felt good to be loved by God. It felt, that's what they, see, there's in us, in all of us, there's a desire for that. Um, and, but we, we tend to try and snuff that light out over time, especially if we've been hurt or damaged or whatever. So um, our, our calling in this blessed prayer to righteousness is to, is to yield to the Spirit so that um, we can develop the fruit of the Spirit and, and live lives that um, reflect the righteousness and holiness of God. Not fake, not pretend, not all rule-driven, but a life of grace and mercy that has impact on the world 
around us. Our, we have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And in Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, and in other places, in Ephesians, Paul teaches that the gospel, um, the, the teaching of the gospel, the impact of the gospel is that it brings peace. And peace helps to maintain the unity that the Spirit brings into the church. Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. And so the gospel, when it takes root in us, should, should manifest a peace in us that allows uh, us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the idea of unity because um, uh, uh, peace is better than conflict. What would you say? Would you agree? Um, and you know, the, uh, not at all costs. I mean, um, we're, we're called to um, be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Um, sometimes, you know, um, peacekeeping is, is really tough because sometimes what that means a lot of times then is not ever saying what needs to be said. It's not speaking truth and love. But peacemaking is, is uh, in the place where there's conflict, stepping into it in love to try and bring peace back. Not just, oh well, it's not, you know. So there's a, there's a significant difference. But, um, you, you know, in a, in a yieldedness to the spirit, there's a, an opportunity to, to move into those situations and, and bring unity into something that's potentially divisive. Then we have the shield of faith. Um, you know, our faith, our trust is in God. Um, we have a confident hope in the reality and power of God to do even more than we can imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, that is his work within us, God can do more than we can ask or imagine. That's a lot. And uh, we can put our, our confident expectation in him. We have the helmet of salvation. Um, and as, as um, we live out um, our identity now as Christ's living church, um, uh, as people that have been saved by the gospel, our thinking, our perception is transformed on, on the world. Ephesians three fourteen through 19, great prayer. Paul said this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp, to have your perception changed, to get how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That this life in Christ um, begins to change us and, and over time causes us to see things in a completely different way than we used to. Um, because, you know, when we first come into this thing, we, we're looking at it from a very worldly perspective. But as we yield to the Spirit and our mind is changed and transformed by the, by the Word of God and by the, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, over time it should take on a, a whole different look because we get what it is, the bigger picture. We get that, you know, that um, it's not all about us. It's about Him and the mission that we've been given and the now and forever life that we have in Him and how that begins to change every facet of life as we understand it and allows us to experience a real life in Him. Then we have the sword of the spirit, 
And since um, elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul really hadn't discussed the importance of the scripture um, like he has in other places, he, he emphasizes it in verse 17 of chapter 6, and he says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And we need to understand the importance of the word of God in our lives, how important it is to read it uh, and study it and memorize it and, and uh, use it and get back to it and, and uh, uh, share it with others, that it's a, it's a foundational um, weapon, if you would, in the stand that we have against the evil one. Because it, you know, it rightly divides truth. It's, it's how we know the difference between what, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And, uh, and so it's a vital, vital part of our lives. And then he, he rounds up that whole section basically with a reminder of the importance of prayer. And uh, as we encourage you all the time, you need to pray and you need to study your word and live this life that we're called to. And uh, that as we focus on those things, we're a lot less likely to get sidetracked by the little things that don't really matter. Because really, if you're really focusing on you loving God and loving others well, you won't get stuck often in little things that you shouldn't. Um, because there's a lot of, this is a neat life, there's a lot of stuff to do, a lot of hurting people around um, who, who need the church to be walking out its mission like Jesus did to see, like uh, we saw in uh, our weekend study, how Jesus saw the guy who needed touch from God. See, we need to be focused on him and on others so that we can see where the hurts are in the world and be open to God moving us there and saying, okay, you know, and extending the kingdom of God like Jesus did. Do you want to get well? We can, we can help you with that. We know the one who can make you well. And he wants to. All you got to do is listen. Respond. Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. So um, lots of neat stuff in Ephesians. I hope it's been a, a helpful um, study for you as we work through it together. We'll pick up with Philippians next. Another great book. Philippians is really all about joy. And uh, I love that study. If you're watching on video or on television, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you spending it with us. If you need prayer or anything, go to our website at keysvineyard.com. Find the prayer page and uh, fill out the form and we'll be praying for you. And again, thank you for watching. Come and visit if you can. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you with us.